to the Bedpost Podcast. I, of course, I'm your host, Aaron Pym, and what I like to do here on the pod is bring fun and sexy guests into the studio to have in-depth conversations surrounding sex and sexuality. Today, I'm super excited to talk to this person. Um, we connected on Twitter recently, and I mean, this is the first time I'm sitting down and having a conversation with them, so like, I'm going to be listening and learning along with all of you. So without further ado... Please welcome to the mic, everybody, Executive Director of the Effing Foundation, Carlton. Hey, Carlton. Uh, hello, Lady Pim. It is uh, wonderful to uh, speak with you and connect with you today. You too. I feel like we, we've we got a lot to talk about, both Effing Foundation stuff and greater kink kind of stuff. I, I, I yep. feel like we're going to fill this hour. No problem. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm confident about it. Maybe we could start um, with you telling us, uh, what is the Effing Foundation? Tell us about it. Okay, well, the uh, Effing Foundation is a 501c uh, nonprofit. And what we do, and uh, here's our, our elevator pitch. Yeah. <laughs> we work to reduce, we work to reduce um, the stigma around um, sex and sexuality. And the way that we do that is by giving grants to um, sex positive artists and educators. Mm. So what we do is we have a grant cycle and we um, go over um, the applications and ultimately we come out and we give um, $5,000 grants to uh, individuals and groups who are um, creating sex positive art and education. Oh, I love that. But what makes us a little unique is we tend to focus in marginalized communities and people that even in sex positive communities are often marginalized. So we are um, pro sex worker. We um, we give grants to individuals that are disabled. We give um, in grants to individuals that are um, uh, in people of color. Mm -hmm. We give um, grants to individuals that um, uh, have a number of different disabilities, physical, emotional, mental disabilities. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. give, um, we throw kind of the net kind of wide and have as much diversity as possible. And we also prescribe to an idea of own voices. So we allow, we try to facilitate people um, that are in specific um, demographics telling their own narratives, creating their own educational content, and um, creating their own art. So if Effing funds a project, and it is a project um, about sex work, we want to fund projects about sex work that are created by sex workers. So important. um, You know, um, if you read a book five years ago about sex work, and you've never touched it, and you've never done anything in sex work, um, we're not going to give you a grant. (laughs) um you know um so it's very important um that people um that have a specific identity are able to tell their own narratives to tell their own stories to um to validate their own experiences by creating content and being supported in that and also to speak to the uh, communities that are relevant and important to them (sighs) You are you're speaking my love language right now, um, because uh, I'm sure, you know, some of our listenership is aware that like most of the media that does get creative about sex, get created about sex work is not by sex workers. They usually don't even hire like a consultant. You know what I mean? It's like non-sex workers basically contributing to the public consciousness about what sex work is, like people who don't know sex workers all they see is what's in media and it's creating it's created by non-sex workers so it's mess misrepresenting all of us so just so so important i i feel like um if people are going to you know people non-sex workers um are going to get 
a, a good idea of like our jobs and what we do and who we are, it's going to be through media created by us. So fucking fucking standing applause for you. I fucking love that. Well, that's, that's just being that's And this is a part of what effing tries to do is to really like a normalize those conversations yeah. and to really hold space for individuals to be able to speak about themselves and to speak about the different nuances. So like, even like you mentioned and spoke about like sex workers creating content that's relevant and important that's for sex workers or by sex workers that is educational or artistic in nature. Yeah. Um, you even break down the nuance that a, uh, a trans sex worker of color is going to have a very different experience than a white sex worker of color. Thousand percent. Um, so, you know, it's important that that individual be able to tell their narrative and their story. And the way that we support that is by having the grant application process open and demystifying it, not having it be as difficult as grant applications can be. Mm-hmm. We are open to um, giving grants to sex positive content and um just really like holding that space and allowing people to you know educate and create art yeah i love i love this connection between like sex positivity sex work and art i feel like a lot of us are are creatives a lot of sex workers are creatives are artists um so i love that you're like bringing kind of these two communities together because they most definitely do overlap what mm-hmm. what was the idea behind doing that? Like, who thought to first do that? Let's, you know, create um, a foundation that will fund sex worker art, essentially. Well, um, not, it, it's not only not only sex work art, not only um, things that are produced by sex worker, mm-hmm. sex workers, but the entire spectrum of people that produce different things in the sex positive community. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it. And as you well know, a lot of times, a lot of those different communities overlap. And but the uh, the ultimate idea came from our founder, Dr. Kit Stubbs, and they uh, were really the individual that kind of said this. There's a place for this. This is something that needs to be done. And this is something that we need to get to support, you know, get support behind. And we need to actually do so. Kit was the individual that started, founded the Effing Foundation, did all of the initial work and led the effing foundation for years uh got the board of directors together Mm -hmm. um about five years ago um got the advisory council together and uh, i was actually the first advisory council member um and um in in our first uh, our inaugural um grant cycle was in 2017 and we had a um grant cycle in 2017 for 2017 2018 2019 we took a pause last year naturally because everything went south because of covid and we we are in the midst of our grant um our grant application cycle currently uh which it which will go through until roughly about march of next year and then we will announce a group of um 21 22 uh grant recipients for um who will receive five thousand dollar grants to support their work amazing i mean you're truly doing the lord's work (laughs) because like (laughs) like adults need sex education this is such a drastically underfunded field being in sex work being in sex positive careers and whatnot it's it's something that really isn't taken care of like it Mm -hmm. should be because it's so fucking important um Mm -hmm. so i fucking another standing O from me on a standing O. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, just to clarify, I, I'm truly doing the Lord's work when I uh, host a back to school party. I haven't done one in a while, but when I host a back to school party and I uh, require, <laughs> I require um, school uniforms, <laughs> that's truly when I'm doing the Lord's work. But <laughs> I got to find my kilt from my high school days. Get that kilt out. <laughs> <laughs> may not fit anymore most definitely won't fit anymore actually so maybe never mind (laughs) did did you have black and white shoes (laughs) oh i would have loved to i had like what did i wear i think i tried to wear cute shoes for a while and then i was like fuck this and just (laughs) just... 
I tried to make an aesthetic choice, I swear. And then I was like, oh, no, wait, this is not conducive to anything. But okay, tell me, though, how you got chosen for this job, because you have like an extensive resume, I feel like an extensive kink resume. Tell me a bit about about your uh, personal connection with kink and how you're in the community. Okay, well, actually, I met Kit at Woodhall one year when oh, uh, my nice. partner and I were uh, p- were uh, p- um, doing a presentation at Woodhall in 2017, and um, the um, presentation was super geeky. It was about the post-truth era, and uh, it was about the concept of the post-truth era and how uh, the con- the idea of us being in a post-truth era had an effect on sex-positive lives and sex-positive communities Mm -hmm. and the information that we received. And this was very much in the wake of the year when you had things like alternative facts and counter-knowledge and basically people like thinking that it was okay to publicly basically gaslight people and say things that weren't true and carry carry on as though they were true Mm -hmm. and so our presentation was about basically like being in this post-truth era how is that affecting our lives as sex positive people and one of the individuals that was um in attendance for uh that's for that presentation was doctors dr kit stubbs our founder and they approached me and was like, you know, hey, would you like to be on our advisory council? And uh, we had a conversation and I, I thought, you know, hey, this is cool. This is something that I'd like to check out and do. And it just kind of like built from there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we kind of went from point A to point B and um, progressed where I went from being on the advisory council for a couple of years to being on the board of directors to um, being the board of director president to, and I did that for about the last couple of years and then transitioning into the uh, executive director, um, the uh, executive director uh, position. Um, And so Kit and I basically switched where they went from being the executive director to the board president, and I went from being the board president to being the executive director. (laughs) Old switcheroo. (laughs) (laughs) But you were, uh, were you teaching a lot in the community at that point? Uh, Yes, I was. Um, I was teaching, I taught a lot, so... um, uh, my partner and I, we traveled um, the Mid-Atlantic region and we traveled and taught um, at national events uh, several times. And I was, I'm a rope guy, so mm-hmm. I was known for teaching rope quite a bit and uh, teaching like other BDSM kink skills and stuff and then teaching some edge play skills. And so I, plus I was blogging as well. So I was heavily immersed in the kink <laughs> community and the thing about that was I learned about like all of the cool kink stuff and was teaching about all the cool kink stuff. But then I also had an interest and also sometimes spoke about some of the broader issues. So things like social justice, things like um, consent culture in a very genuine way, or things like how do we have really, um, how do we create safer spaces or more accepting spaces? And also think thinking about things like anti-racism in spaces Mm -hmm. um you know why is it that like certain demographics or certain people come to kink spaces or sex positive spaces and they don't come back because they don't feel comfortable or they don't feel safe or they don't feel like they're being respected and so those were issues that were kind of in my head and it was like uh i was I so at the same time that I was on the advisory council, I was also doing still continuing to teach and do different things in the kink community. And then it just kind of like all kind of like combined and worked together and stuff and kind of led me to where I am now. Yeah, important stuff. Like all of it's important, even the lighthearted stuff of like, ooh, let's do some you know, let's do a fun rope workshop or like let's do an Mm -hmm. intro to BDSM. Like it's all very important stuff, educational stuff. Cause as like to do harm reduction on all this stuff is like the wisest thing you can do about like the way you can approach your practice. Right. So I, um, I'd love to talk about, um, making safe spaces, 
myself as an events producer, I'm always looking to um, create safer spaces and to uh, acquire more education surrounding that. So, and I know a lot of people, uh, maybe that are listeners, you know, are getting back into the like in-person physical brick and mortar scene. You know, we're all going to events again. Um, you know, some of us are producing events. Maybe can we talk about this for a little bit? What can we mm -hmm. do? Uh, first off, um, like when I think about that, um, one thing that I used to teach about and I used to teach to people that were new to kink is I would call it the uh, Christmas morning concept. Hmm. So it's kind of like when you're a little kid and you start about September and you start like, you know, getting super excited about <laughs> Christmas and looking at like, um, I'm, 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 I'm an old dude. So I remember like the Sears catalog when you, oh, like, yeah. you know, like mark off what toys you wanted. Oh, and it's yes. like, you just had that build up until December <laughs> and you, you know, you, you literally were jumping down the stairs on Christmas morning to see what was there. Yeah. And for a lot of people, I think when you get into the kink community, you have that Christmas morning feeling where it's like, wow, I can do all of these things and I can experience all of these things. And it's just so overwhelming and so exciting that people just tend to go out and reach and get everything. And I think all of us kind of have that feeling to a degree right now because it's been so long since things were quote unquote normal where you yeah. could go out and fully enjoy parties yeah. or fully enjoy events or you could fully just like embrace community or just like really connect with people and do things. Yeah. So I think what we almost need is a reset. And I think it we need to kind of like let people know that it's okay to go slow and that's always a cliche in kink where people say go slow go slow go slow yeah but i think it's really important to say you know it's okay to admit that none of us have done this for a while mm -hmm. um i've only done a couple of suspensions a, this year yeah yeah and that's not characteristic of years where i've done dozens or a hundred suspensions yeah. so there's a learning curve for me there's a learning curve for everybody and there's not only a learning curve for your physical skills because all of this is skill-based whether you're topping or bottoming it is essentially skill-based yeah and those skills can deteriorate over time those skills can change over time but also we need to hold space for the fact that people may feel differently about things mm -hmm. and you may reevaluate your priorities or you may evaluate how you play with people or the things that you need or the things that you will tolerate. And I think we need to hold space for all of that too. Yeah. And those are some of the things and some of the ideas that will inform us as we kind of go ahead and we open up spaces and we allow people to kind of like reemerge then along with just the practical things of being an event producer, which is much more stressful than people will ever, ever realize. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> and keeping people safe and, um, things like COVID are just an extra element onto that overall idea of safety. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I really like that you're talking about this, like, um, this idea of like, let's take a moment to reset, like, because I've definitely done that for myself as well. I'm like, since we've had this break from like in-person parties and events and whatnot, it's like, okay, this is like my chance to, rather than just like, go, 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 like I used mm -hmm. to, this is my mm -hmm. chance to be like, okay, but do, do I actually like the way, you know, I... I do things at parties or the types of parties I go to or the people that I choose to play with or the kinks that I choose to engage in. Um, you know, am I just doing it at, or at, can I take this moment to be like, okay, let's really break down and like take a look at all of the elements of this and the stuff that I'm really enthusiastic about doing and the stuff that, you know, I really don't love. Like this is my chance to really like now that I'm not doing events, to really think about that and, and go forward more thoughtfully um, in the way I practice kink, like in public spaces. Uh, absolutely. And I, th I think that, I think people like to talk about risk profiles in kink, right. but I think that people's risk profiles are very, very different now. Yeah. Yep. And because like a lot of us have dealt with like things like illness 
immortality and thinking about like what's really meaningful what's really important and it's okay to decide you know what i don't want to go to an event and run through five scenes that aren't meaningful and aren't feeding my soul yeah. or aren't feeding my spirit or it's okay to go to a party and decide you know what i just want to dress and chill and not have sex yeah. or not play it's okay to feel that way. It's okay to say, you know what, maybe I'm going to step back for a while and not go to anything. Or maybe maybe it's okay for me to say, well, let me see how I can re-engage in the community in ways that are going to feel better, better or more meaningful for me. Or maybe like after a year, you're like, you know what, I'm not going to mess with some people in the community. There you go. Because I just, you know, I don't want to deal with stress. Or I don't want to deal with potential harm or potential drama. And part of me staying away from that is I, you know, I, I just don't want to do it. I don't want to do it now. Yeah, this is our moment, like, to reevaluate, like, our, our own self-care, like, surrounding yeah. the way we practice skank and specifically with, like, like in public. Um, because I think we all learned... Or, or maybe struggled with or bottled or whatever um, throughout the pandemic. Uh, uh, this idea of how do we take care? How can we better take care of ourselves? Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I think for me, like even um, me reevaluating, like I'm not OK with doing that anymore. Stuff like this, like you, you <laughs> mentioned consent practices, which I know you're, you're super knowledgeable about and there are a lot of consent practices that happen like at parties um, that happen really commonly, especially like in pro circles and stuff like this um, stuff like, you know, like a lack of negotiation stuff like um, not really taking the time to negotiate one-on-one. -on -one. Maybe it's like um, one Dom. This is, this is something that's very common, I think. And I, I never really questioned it until quite recently, actually, where like one Dom is kind of the head of a scene, like a group scene, say multi-top scene, um, mm -hmm. with one bottom. And they are the one person with access to the submissive or the bottom. And the rest of the Doms kind of just get you know, booked or like called in later after the fact. And they're just kind of filled in with some details from the Dom, not from the sub, you know, and you just mm -hmm. kind of show up to the scene and do the thing, right? You don't mm -hmm. really get to talk to the sub one on one out of role in mm -hmm. those scenarios. And I realized that, that was a big one for me where I was like, Oh wait, this is really not something I'm willing to do going forward anymore. And it's actually a really common practice. I don't think that people understand a lot of time topping how much of a skill it takes. Yeah. And I don't think people understand how much of a responsibility it is. Yes. Because you are taking somebody's personal care into kind of you're you're responsible for somebody's personal care for that point in time or for that moment that you're working with them. And I don't think people really understand how much it really takes. And I don't understand, I don't think people sometimes understand that it's not always easy to give. Yeah. And people look at dominance, and this was an issue for me when I first got into the scene, that sometimes I would ask a lot of questions, and I would ask a lot of questions of people that I wanted to play with, mm -hmm. and I wanted to top. And sometimes I would get pushback because people would say, well, I don't think you really know what you're doing because you're asking so many questions that I don't think you're really dominant. Oh, and, and they would say things like, well, if you're a dominant, then you should just know. Ugh. And yeah. so I'm, if, if you know two things about me, I can be really sarcastic and I'm a comic book fan. So I would tell people I'm Batman. I'm not Jesus. <laughs> I know a lot of things. Yeah. I don't know everything. And I don't know you. Like No. Mm. Yeah. That's real talk. I don't know you. So it's like if I come to you for a session or if I come to you and and we're engaging in, in negotiating personal play, if I come to you to bottom for you, 
There could be things that you could do to five other people that would be absolutely fine and great for those people mm -hmm. that if you were to do that to me could be at worst either like really hokey and it wouldn't give me a good experience or it could be a bad experience for me or it at on the on the far end it could be potentially triggering yeah. or it could be medically harmful to me and if you don't ask and if I don't give you information how can you possibly know that's it I mean same thing with me doing pro sessions another thing that's super common like just with 101 pro sessions one-on-one -on -one, uh, pro sessions is like they come in just being like, oh, yeah, just do whatever, <laughs> like do whatever you want to me. And I'm like, I'm like, I get that that's the fantasy that you want in the scene. But like to be able to facilitate that fantasy, I need to actually know what you're OK with and what you're not like. I need a bit of a background to your experience level. So I know like where to even start with half this stuff. Like I it's this um separating this fantasy from the reality like i get that you want it to feel like i know everything and i'm in charge of everything and i can read your mind and and you know predict every um every like next moment in the scene but it's like yeah but there's a lot of background work to do so that i can do that fantasy for you um because believe me uh if you just say do whatever you want to do with me nine times out of ten you're not going to walk away satisfied no, because that's not realistic. No. That's not realistic. And what that does is that kind of almost makes you like a deer in the headlights when you're topping in a scene. <laughs> because you're like, okay, <laughs> I don't think start thinking of all of the things that I'm going to do. I start thinking of all of the things that I can't do or that I would be worried about doing. Mm -hmm. Because at that point when somebody says do anything to me that you absolutely want what that does is you're like okay does this mean 101 stuff yeah does this mean psychological stuff does this mean physical things does this mean that this person is asking for edge play does this mean this person is asking for me to kind of indulge my fantasies or my ideas or they're expecting me to know and indulge their fantasies or their ideas it's so vague <laughs> and there's so many different variables yeah. and it and and i think people it's like you say people have this fantasy that well if a dominant is in control yeah. then they have all of this knowledge and they can just do these things and it would almost be like if you send somebody if you walk into a bakery with somebody and you and like you're going to give this person whatever they want out of the bakery and you say what is it that you would like and they say get me anything that i get me anything that you want out of the bakery mm -hmm. <laughs> i don't know if you like cake i don't know if you like pie i don't know if you like a savory bun i like lots of options <laughs> I I don't know if there's a medical reason that you can't I don't know if you have a food allergy. There you go. I don't know if you're diabetic. I don't know and the thing is that's fascinating about about creating scenes is there can be something that may be potentially triggering or may resonate with a person in a way that you may not expect. Mm -hmm. So you could buy somebody a piece of pie. And that piece of pie could be highly problematic to somebody because they say, I had a horrible experience with pie once. And that's the same thing with you topping a person. So if somebody says, do anything you want, and you just intuitively say, oh, okay, cool. I will give you a spanking. For some people, they'd be like, okay, this that's a great warm up. Yeah. For other people, they would say that was super, super one-on-one and that was super, super boring for me and that was really unfulfilling. That was a wasted that was a wasted hour. Then for some people, if you went to spank them and you hit them once or twice, it's going to be super, super triggering to them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And if if you don't know how how can you possibly do something if you don't know? And that kind of addresses like the other thing about as everybody is stepping back into spaces, we've all been out of spaces for a while. So all of our desires or a lot of things have changed for all of us. Mm -hmm. Plus you have an influx of completely new people. Mm -hmm. And so you may have people that 
their frame of reference is going to be very different when it comes to kink and they're not necessarily they may not necessarily know what it is they want to do or what to ask for and everybody's got to take the time to kind of like figure that out and learn that before we go and we plan and we actually do something let's take a moment to talk about our lovely sponsors shall we first of all Oasis Aqua Lounge is a water-themed sex club located right here in Toronto at 231 Mutual Street. Oasis is inclusive of all genders and orientations and is shame-free when it comes to pleasure and play. Check them out at their website, oasisaqualounge.com. Comeasyouare.com is a trans-owned, trans-operated sex shop that also happens to be feminist and anti-capitalist. They carry only the best sex toys and want to give you the best price possible. Next time, use the coupon code BEDPOST, that's B-E-D-P-O-S-T, when checking out at comeasyouare.com. One thing that I talk about a lot on the podcast is, is bottoming skills and <laughs> how do we acquire them and um, how, do we, how do we know what to do, you know, before we've done it, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that is a similar thing with what you're talking about, about like being on break from events. Well, some people just suddenly started to getting to kink at the beginning of the pandemic and they've just explored it solo or on their computers or maybe virtually with other people and never actually been in like a physical kink space before. So it's kind of all these like kink newbies coming, coming up and it's like, how are they supposed to... Maybe some, you can give a couple, you know, nuggets of advice surrounding, like, what can we do to prepare ourselves to get into spaces, physical spaces again? Maybe if we, or if we've never been in them in the first place. I think education and knowledge is really, really important. Yeah. And I don't think you can have enough education and you can have enough knowledge. And I think one thing that's good about knowledge is, is that you can gain knowledge from everywhere. So I wouldn't say that if you're getting into the scene, like you find one guru, one guru dominant that claims that they know everything. Because there's always one dominant that's like, I literally know everything about kink and you should listen to me and I can tell you everything. And don't listen to that person. Yeah, don't listen to that person. Go get a bunch of different knowledge from a lot of different people. And sometimes you will be, there are people that are willing, and meet people where they are, because sometimes people will be willing to share knowledge with you. Sometimes people will be willing to kind of like take you under their wing and give you educations about things. Mm -hmm. Then at other times, you will have to pay for things. You will have to pay to learn and to acquire skills. So anything There's a combination of different ways you can learn, but read. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Look at things. You can get video. You can get video or virtual education. If you feel comfortable and feel safe with it, you can go to different events and you can learn. One thing about learning is it should be a low pressure environment. It shouldn't be that you are learning, but that learning is predicated with the idea that you have to play a full scene or you have to have a dynamic with somebody or you have to you have to have sex with somebody or you you don't owe anybody anything except that deference of respect to learn and absorb the knowledge that they're giving you and evaluating that. But you don't owe anybody your body because they are taking time to teach you something or to educate you on something. Gain as much knowledge and as much information as you can. And then after that, start to develop and decide what works for you. Mm-hmm. And think about the ways that that is going that you can learn in ways and you can explore in ways that are going to feel good for you and are going to be safer for you. I think this is all fantastic advice. Um, I always say as well, if you want to learn a skill, don't take a bunch of classes from the same facilitator, you know, take a Mm -hmm. bunch of all different classes from all different teachers. Um, Mm -hmm. 
that's a thousand percent true with kink. I know the way I facilitate, I'm a professional. I know the way I facilitate professional scenes is very different from other professionals. Even just stuff like protocol. I'm like, yeah, call me whatever. Like I, I'm not, I'm a low protocol dom. And some doms are very, very high protocol and every, you know, people fall everywhere in between. So it's like, don't ever just, uh, yeah, limit yourself to the one resource because there's so, so, so much out there. Um, and then also and how, how you're saying no pressure to once you get in physical spaces to like, you know, do it in any sort of a way that you think you need to. Like you can go as an observer. You can like, you know, baby steps, you know, dip your toe in uh, wherever your comfortability is at. Um, and I think that um, there's two other points. So like when I teach rope a lot of times, mm -hmm. one thing, and um, I would use a couple of different quotes from Bruce Lee and I would paraphrase them. And one thing that Bruce Lee used to teach his uh, martial arts students was um, take what is useful and discard what isn't useful. Yes, yes. So if you go and you go to a class and you learn something, you can gain that knowledge, but some parts of it you will take with you some parts of it you will discard so if you go to a rope class and you learn about tks there are specific things about friction and tension and rope placement that you can absolutely learn but then you have to also discard what isn't going to be useful so if you know that you have severe rotator cuff injuries and you can't bottom for a tk hmm. you can learn all about tks but guess what that tk ain't gonna work for you to bottom for if you if it's not in your risk profile as a rope top to to tie people and to put people in TKs, you can learn the nuances of TKs, but you can also learn chess harnesses mm -hmm. that will work and may be a way to mitigate the risk that you don't want to take putting somebody in a standard TK. Or maybe you can learn a um, arms front harness. You can adapt and learn. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That number one and number two, and I don't think this can be said enough. And I think this is important when we talk about like actually learning and getting into communities. Mm -hmm. Do not speak to people as though they are in roles unless oh, you have you. permission to, wow, and unless wow, wow. <laughs> uh, unless unless they you have permission to, and probably you will get a lot further being mannerable then you will by acting an ass when you step into a space and you're trying to learn something. A hundred percent. I, this is like my biggest fucking piece of advice for, um, you know, people who are, uh, you know, submissives or bottoms and looking to meet people, um, get into the kink scene, even how they engage with like professionals, um, and whatnot is do not approach and roll don't approach and roll. You're a person talking to another person. So talk to them like that. I just think that is so valuable. It seems like such common sense, but honestly, it's not because my inbox is flooded by people groveling. And I'm like, I didn't consent. To, I'm not your dom. You know, I don't know who you are. Like, and, and, and not only that, if I send you a message, I don't even know what capacity I'm dealing with you in. Because mm -hmm. if I don't know you personally and we're not friends or we're not in a dynamic or we're not connected or we're not buddies or whatever, mm -hmm. and I'm reaching out to you, ask you something, I need to think about how I'm asking you something or how I'm approaching you. And if I start my email and the first thing in my email is a list of 10 different things that I want done yeah. and how I want them done and and what I want to experience and what I want to feel and what I want to do. Yep. And it's super explicit and it's super sexual and it's this and it's that. And it's so long. <laughs> and I haven't even, I haven't even literally said hello to like, you. Like, hi, I'm fine. How are you? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. What I am, what I am telling you, what I am telling, first off, I'm not even having respect for you as a professional. Yep. Um, I wouldn't call up a lawyer and call up a lawyer at his office or at their office and say, hey, I need to find out about a contract. Here's five things that I need to ask you about a contract. Can you email me and get back to me? Yeah. 
I wouldn't do that to a doctor or a lawyer. I wouldn't call a plumber up and say, hey, I've got this issue in my house. Can you just come and look at it? Yep. So why do you approach a professional, Don? Why do you approach a professional in the same disrespectful way? If we five years from now and we're buddies, do I have consent to approach you if I say, hey, I really would like to bottom for something? Is it okay if we have that conversation? Is it okay? And would that be a conversation you're willing and you're opening to have on a personal level? That's the, yeah, like that's the least we can do, I feel like. Like, when you think of how you interact with like your friends and your, you know, your kinky friends, play partners, maybe, um, mm-hmm. or like romantic partners, like, you know, I'm, I'm not even going to text like my closest like partners. I'm not going to just text them, you know, a long rambling thing about this scene that I want to do with them. Mm-hmm. I'm going to preface it with like, Hey, I've got like a scene. I, you know, Hey, how are you? Like, good morning, mm-hmm. whatever it is. <laughs> like, how was your sleep? Hope you slept well. Um, you know, I've got this idea for a scene that I think, you know, we, we could do together. Let me know, you know, if, if you want to hear about it or if you're interested in, in having this conversation with me. Like, that's that's what we do to our closest people. So mm-hmm. why would we then not do that to a stranger? You think you would you would double down and do it even more to a stranger just to make sure that you're respected because you don't know each other. You know what I mean? Like, I'm doing that with my, like, closest people asking yep. for consent before we, you know, fucking before I start negotiating a scene. Like, just a monologue negotiation of a scene with myself, essentially. Like, I don't know. Why do people do that? Where does that come from? I think think, think a lot of times people, and I've thought about this as a dominant, because I've thought about this a lot of times doing rope things, like rope and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people... And, and, and a friend actually said this to me one time, that a lot of people want the experience. Yes. They don't necessarily want the person. Want the person, yes. It's activity and, first. It's not person and, first. And, yeah. and, it, and, it, and that doesn't mean by any, any means that somebody has, ha- has to have a dynamic or a relationship or anything with me to do a scene with me, but respect is due to everybody. Sure. Consideration is due to everybody. And... If somebody if somebody blows your inbox up and they, you know, they ask you for five different things and they get mad if you don't respond to them within 15 minutes of that email, <laughs> I guarantee you that if you would if you could look at the send list on their email, you just they probably <laughs> they but they probably have sent that same email to 10 or 15 different people. Yes. Because all they're doing is they're basically saying my needs and what I want is more important than how I speak to you as another human being. Yep. It's the only thing. It's the, the thing. (laughs) And, and what that does is, and this is why I say manners is a big thing. Mm -hmm. People often tell you who they are. Mm -hmm. So if I email you and I email you six times demanding that you respond to me. Jesus Christ. I'm telling you something about who I am in an email. Are you really going to feel super safe with me in an enclosed environment where it's just you and me one-on-one? Hell no. Yeah. And it's, it, you know, and it, 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 go, it goes both ways. If you speak to me and you talk to me about rope and I'm like, well, you know, let's talk, let's dialogue, let's see if we can put something together. And I feel good and I feel safe and I feel fun in the interactions that we're having. That's going to be a very different conversation if you're super pushy and super, you know, you're super pushy and you push over my boundaries and you're trying to talk to me about rope in the middle of the workday or you're not respecting that I don't maybe want to talk about it at night after I've had a long day and I've worked out. And if you keep pushing like that and I don't feel great in the interaction with an email or a text or just in talking with you, 
do you think my do you think I'm gonna feel that my communication is gonna be great with you when we're actually in a scene, exactly. or we're actually tying, or or you know I'm in a space where I've got to interact with you? Yeah, it's all red flags, right? It's like yeah. if if this is how negotiation is going, like I don't want to do the scene, like. Because can, can you imagine how what a shit show the scene will be? If this is literally the first <laughs> impression that I'm getting of you, uh, like this is just emailing back and forth and it is so, and is going so badly, then, you know, I'm dodging a bullet by not, not getting in a room with you, basically. Yeah. And it reminds me of like, I've been in the um, food service industry basically my whole life um, mm -hmm. before I got into sex work exclusively. This reminds me of like customers <laughs> expecting, expecting good service. They're, they're a regular at an establishment and they're expecting the highest level of service. But every time they come in, they are treating the servers like complete trash. And mm. it's like this disconnect between like what they're putting out there and what they're getting back it's like mm -hmm. they're just gonna offload everything and expect like good things coming back to them like it just doesn't make sense to me how you can literally um go into a situation and do that and then expect the person to bend over backwards you know and and that's the cycle that that i guess people like that get into is that they're just like harumph everyone nobody treats me well and it's like well there's a reason <laughs> the yeah, bottom because, de denominator here sir yeah <laughs> yeah because what they're doing is they're signaling to you that what your experience is going to be with them yes and a lot of times and especially after you've started to do this for a while it's kind of like what you were talking about where it's like you start to evaluate is this something that i want to do yeah, even in, even and, for money. <laughs> and 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 I'm I'm almost at the point now where it's like, if I were to think about doing a scene with somebody, it's like, is this going to benefit me in some way? Is this going to bring me some joy? It's not even about getting laid or having an orgasm or something like that. It's yeah. like, is this going to be an experience? that's going to be a good experience? Is this an experience that I'm willing to get up off of the couch, take a shower, <laughs> shave? And... Especially like in like nowadays during COVID, like it takes a lot for me to leave the house nowadays. You know what I mean? After this almost two years of lockdown, it better be yeah. really fucking enticing to get me out of this house. <laughs> yeah. And it's like. And it's like, if you, if you feel like that after your interaction with somebody, that it's going to be highly upsetting or that you're going to be near in tears or that, you know, talking more seriously, that mm -hmm. it's not going to be safe and it's not going to be good. Mm -hmm. And I like, I think over the last year that I've spent like the whole year trying, almost two years trying to keep myself and my family and my friends and people really close to me safe. Safe, yeah. Do I want to put myself out there to something that's going to be potentially harmful? Yeah, yeah. And the answer largely now is <laughs> no, no, I don't. <laughs> Again, with the thing of like reevaluating, right? After the pandemic yeah. or like at yeah. this stage of the pandemic, it's reevaluating. It's like maybe before I would have, you know? But yeah. now, no, thank you. I'm not yeah. going to. Yeah. Absolutely not. And I mean, as a sex worker, that is, it is a privileged place to be able to refuse work. I will, de I mm -hmm. definitely will always say that. Mm -hmm. um, and to be able to pick and choose and to be able to demand certain screening procedures, for instance, and a certain rate, you know, that's all very privileged stuff. But, um, you know, where, where, where money is not concerned, I think. That's a great thing to be kind of reevaluating at this time. Just your own, your own safety, your own self-care. I, and I, I, I will say this. I, I am not a sex worker. I have never done sex work. Um, by life experience, I've had the opportunity to um, 
have a lot of sex workers in my life. Mm -hmm. And what they have did is they've given me a gift of knowledge of sharing their lives and their experiences and the work that they do with me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If you aren't, if you've never done sex work and you've never had the privilege of having a sex worker explain to you exactly what it is you do or, or sex work is, keep your mouth shut because you have no idea what it is that Thank sex you. work is. Thank you. You have no idea what sex work is. It's like, I could talk to you about what I've done being a dominant or being a rope top and stuff. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What your experience is as a professional dominant, I can't speak to that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I cannot speak to that because it is another level and it is another context. And once again, it's like about having respect for the work that people do. If you aren't an attorney, I can't imagine that you would go to somebody who's a Harvard trained attorney or who's a really good trial lawyer. And you would say, you know what? Let me tell you <laughs> about what it is you do in your job. Yeah. The mansplaining of it all. <laughs> But, you know, people will people will do that all the time. And it's like, I always want to be deferential and respectful to sex workers because I've I've had sex workers to share it with me just like a little, you know, just a little bit of what it is that you have to do. If no more than the marketing, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. no Which more is, yeah. than the. No more than the tech work that you have to do. Yeah. No more than setting things up. No more than knowing about finances and knowing, you know, knowing how to do your taxes. So many things. If you don't, if you, if you don't know, then you don't know. And be respectful when you're speaking about something that you don't know. Yes. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Um, and I feel like having sex worker friends is like, is you know, other than being an actual sex worker yourself, it's it's the best way to get a better idea of what sex work really does entail. <laughs> um, is to like make sex worker friends. Sex worker friends are the best friends, as far as I'm concerned. Um, so if anything's going to kind of broaden broaden your mind um, as to the type of work uh, that goes on in this industry, it's it's befriending sex workers. We're good people. Be our friends. Absolutely. <laughs> Oh, man, <laughs> it's it's very interesting um, being a sex worker in a room full of people and having a non sex worker trying to speak for you or on behalf of the community. <laughs> like, it's a very, very interesting experience. Um, not one that I would wish upon too many people, but it for sure it for sure happens uh, surrounding sex work, as you mentioned, like over most other types of work. I don't, I, I wonder where the, I wonder why that is. I mean, I mean, in a broad sense, I know why, but I feel like, is it because people have sex in their regular lives? So they think they know what sex for money is like, like they, they do it. You know what I mean? Like they do it. They think they have the skills maybe because they have sex. So they think they can speak on it. Being a person that's on the outside looking in, and I would think that this spills over into some of the other sex-positive um, worlds or ways that people connect with people that are in sex-positive spaces. Mm -hmm. I think when I think sometimes when people say sex-positive, mm -hmm. people automatically think sex, and when people think sex, people automatically think of a specific thing, and when people think of a specific thing. A lot of times the manners go down, the perceptions go down, and people kind of forget where they are. Like the over-focusing kind of... It, 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 you know, it's like, so if I'm approaching you, I should approach you as another human being and approach you with respect. I shouldn't approach you as you're my fantasy and so I can say whatever I want to you without consent first because, quote unquote, well, you're doing this work, you, that must be what you want. Yeah, like the fact that it's a paid service is, um, 
therefore we don't have to do consent because that is consent, which is very, very problematic. But I, I agree that I think people do think that they're like, you do this work. So therefore you are consenting for me to just like dump this fantasy onto you in your inbox, you know? And, and I think, I think that, and, and this is something that I hope that we're able to change or kind of normalize or get people to think differently when you think about sex positivity. Sex positivity is, quote unquote, more than just sex. Yes. And sex, sex is great. Sex is, sex is really great. It's better than chocolate chip cookies. I'm a fan. <laughs> but sex and sex positivity has a lot more to do with just, quote unquote, sex. It has to do with how we experience pleasure. It, it, it has to do with how we are trauma-informed in our interactions with other people. It has a component of social justice. It has a component of economic justice. It has a component of thinking about health, health and safety. It has a component of thinking about consent culture. It has a component of thinking about science. It has a component of how we interact with our spirituality. So when you say sex, po- and so when you say sex positivity, mm-hmm. it's a wide umbrella. It's a wild. It, it's it's a really wide world, and it encompasses a lot of different things. And we have to be sure that, um, you know we are talking about people that are demisexual. Yep. We're talking about people that are ace. And, you know, you may say, well, oh, if you're not having a lot of sex, then, well, that's not sex positivity. But it's, you know, it's how we interact with people. It's where our morals and our ethics are. It's where our standards are. It's a lot of different things. So that umbrella of sex positivity, if we could get people to think differently about it, then we can get people to think differently about a lot of things and some of the bad manners, some of the bad actors and some of the issues that we have, we, we necessarily, we would be able to kind of like maybe not eliminate them completely, but people would mitigate them because people would think about their behavior a lot more. I agree. There are a lot of people that dive into sex and um, trying to procure sex workers and trying to date people that are not sex positive and just don't approach it in that way. So it's all Mm -hmm. take, take, take. Yeah. Is there, um, we should be wrapping up in a moment. Um, Mm -hmm. Is there any last note you'd like to end on? Anything we didn't get to that we wanted to spend a few minutes on? You tell me if there's something left that you'd like to say. Just for everybody to kind of like take care because like in the next year, and I'm not quite sure when this will air, but in the next year, um, we're kind of like reemerging and the world's going to be different and going to events and things are going to be different. Um, If you are a person that is new, um, put your, put your self care first Put your self-care before your desire sometimes. Uh, Learn as much as you can and grow and hopefully experience things in a way that are going to feel good to you and safe to you. Um, And truly try to understand what sex positivity means in a lot of different ways, not just what your perception is. And um, (laughs) support sex workers. That. I think that's a great note to end on. Fabulous advice there. Carlton, this has been such a pleasure. Can you please, please tell the listeners where they can find you, you, Effing Foundation, all of the, all of the lovely things you want to share with our listeners. Okay, so please um, follow us at uh, effing.org. That is our website. And you can also follow us on Twitter at effingfound. And uh, please look for us on Facebook at the Effing Foundation. Uh, please follow us on our social media. Um, we, I'm, I'm always reaching out on social media, telling people for ways that you can engage with us, um, that ways that um, you can talk with us. Um, if you have the capacity to do so and you feel moved to, please donate to our cause because it directly goes to support um, our mission and to support sex positive art and education. So please connect with us. 
love that folks you know where to follow me by now at the lady pym one on twitter i'm at the lady pym on instagram or i'm at the bedpost podcast the podcast has a patreon it's the bedpost show the podcast has a youtube channel it is the bedpost show and i never like to go an episode without bringing up the lovely lady who does the all the original music for my podcast it is stephanie copeland and you can find out more about her at stephcopelandmusic.ca carlton one huge last thank you to you you've been a fantastic guest for this app and i hope uh everyone has enjoyed this one we will see you next week with another lovely fun and sexy guest here on the bedpost podcast get fucked everybody good bye <laughs> <laughs>